Hey, welcome back. It's Chris from the Mighty Decibel here. It's Monday, but it's not New Release Monday because we have five Mondays in May. So uh, we're going to slip in one of our uh, discography review series, uh, our 11th. And we're going to be reviewing First Wave Black Metal Gods Celtic Frost. So we normally only cover full-length original releases, no live compilation or short-form releases, but uh, given that Celtic Frost only has five full-lengths and the importance of some of their EPs, we've uh, added two EPs to this review. So as usual, we'll review it in chronological order, interspersing whole tracks along the way to help build the storyline, uh, all the while keeping things under one hour. Out of the ashes of Hellhammer came Switzerland's greatest gift to extreme metal, the one and only Celtic Frost. So right from the beginning, we had two of the main men uh, together, Tom Warrior on guitars and death grunts, Martin Ain, bassist and co-producer along with Horst Mueller here, and on drums, Stephen Priestley. So the band's first output was 1984's Morbid Tales EP, one of the original records of Black Metal's first wave, uh, kicked off by Venom's Welcome to Hell three years previous. Uh, so Morbid Tales introduces the world to the unique sound of Celtic Frost, doom metal on speed, guitars down-tuned, rhythm section thumping, and Warrior's throaty roar vocals sending the underground into a head-banging frenzy. Their ability to mix uh, tempos, often within individual tracks, while still remaining eminently listenable, was, was its main strength here. Uh, bubbling, abrasive, yet still undeniably catchy and fun. This was the shit in 1984, and still rules today to these ears. And it even introduced fans to their eclectic, uh, ex experimental side uh, through two soundscapes here. Uh, one of them a uh, short and ominous opening, and the other a full-blown track that could have been a horror soundtrack. So weaknesses here? None. Uh, this is one of the greatest black metal releases of all time, in my opinion, right up there with Black Metal, Bathory, Panzer Division, Marduk, and At the World of Untrodden Wonder. Uh, I've even finally come to terms with the ugly and plotting fan-fave Procreation of the Wicked. <laughs> Uh, so this is one of those precious few records where you press play and let it engulf you. No song editing required here. So this is mandatory for any self-respecting uh, metalhead. Ugh!
1984's Morbid Tales, which I'd give a 10 out of 10 to. Classic. Uh, So a year later, in 1985, the band issued another EP, Emperor's Return, with Reed St. John taking over the drum kit. So lead-off track Circle of the Tyrants remains one of the band's most heralded tracks, perfectly balancing doom and thrash tempos into a neck-snapping, multifaceted affair. A classic. Uh, Next up are two tracks from the Morbid Tales debut before ending the EP with two more new songs, uh, Visual Aggression and Suicidal Winds, both being stormers that could have easily fit on the debut, Uh, perfectly balancing the heavy with the speedy, exactly what Celtic Frost um, uh, makes them so brilliant, D-beaded Thrashified Doom. So got to say, though, that the production is a little cruder here. Still very good uh, for this type of oral violence, but not quite as effective as on Morbid Tales. Still classic stuff, though. I give this one a 9.
the band issued its full-length classic to Megatherion. Uh, so here Dominic Steiner replaces Martin Ain on bass, so this leaves uh, Horst Mueller to be the sole producer here, and it also supports classic album art from H.R. Geiger. So taking it if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach here, this is very much a continuation from the two previous masterpieces warrior and crew wasting no time and getting down to their unique blend of thrash doom uh d-beat and earnest so improved production uh compared to the previous emperor's return uh, back to the you know end of the world heaviest fuck sound of the debut and three of the band's best tracks can be found here uh the usurper jewel throne and a superior version of circle of the tyrants along with strong backing support from deep album cuts like Dawn of Megiddo, Beyond the North Winds, Fainted Eyes, and Eternal Summer. However, the band uh, add another weird soundscape called Tears in a Prophet's Dream, uh, which is similar to the debut's Dance Macabre, and uh, the concluding Necromantical Screams, uh, with its female choral background singing uh, signaled that the band were heading toward more progressive waters. Uh, but regardless, to Megatherion remains a classic first wave black metal release. 
And as a side note, I saw them on the, on this tour and can testify uh, to it being one of the very best extreme uh, concerts that I've ever attended. And I've attended quite a few, believe me. Uh, so the crowd rightfully went insane. Bodies and hair flying everywhere. Brilliant stuff. Oh, to be 23 again. <laughs> to Megatherion, uh, perfect 10 out of 10 if there ever was one. 
So two years later, in 1987, the band issued Into the Pandemonium, where Martin Ain is uh, back at bass and the band produces. So Celtic Frost goes fully off the rocker here, earning them the avant-garde metal term. So while the last track on Tomegatherion hinted at experimentation to come, in the, Into the Pandemonium wasn't just a step forward, it, re it represents a drastic leap causing a huge shock to the system. This was not the Celtic Frost that I had come to love. Uh, so sure, there's Inner Sanctum and Babylon Fell, a certainly old-school Frost, down-tuned and speedy with lots of tempo changes, uh, referring back to their earlier material. However, the other 90% of the material on the record was just too much of a departure for these years. Uh, so let's look at damage. Uh, there's the Tristis de la Lune, a misplaced gothic orchestral piece with female vocals. Then there's Warrior reverting to some putrid off-kilter moaning vocal styling. Uh, the inclusion of grating female back vocals and some discordant industrial soundscapes. Uh, bringing down the value of Mesmerized, I Won't Dance, Rex Irie, and Caress into Obliteration. And... Last of all, uh, one in their pride might as well have been born in a dance club. So too much goth, too much melodrama, too much overthinking. Uh, if one were to strip the experimentation and jettison the throwaway tracks, you'd be left with a pretty good EP. But instead, we're left with some sort of arty album for extreme metal nerds. Uh, no thanks. Uh, so Into the Pandemonium was and continues to be a huge disappointment to this fan. Uh, note, I was in the minority as the metal community in general hailed this as some sort of leading edge success. I just saw it as the potential death of one of my favorite bands. Give this a six.
1988's Cold Lake. <laughs> we knew we were in trouble even before listening to this upon looking at the album wrapper. Uh, Ain and uh, St. John missing in action and staring out at us on the, the back cover was a glammed up Celtic Frost with song titles such as Seduce Me Tonight, Dance Sleazy, Juices Like Mine, and Little Velvet. Eesh, danger ahead, yield to oncoming traffic. So put needle to vinyl, as we did in the old days, and our concerns were quickly confirmed. This represented the second cosmic change in a row to their sound, uh, this time jettisoning the orchestrated gothic goo of Into the Pandemonium for a straightforward hard rock approach. So at the heart uh, of these songs, are, you know, it's typical Celtic Frost Fair, but here the songs seem to be interpreted by a totally different band. The killer instinct seems to have been taken out back and capped, replaced by some sort of attempt at party rock that just doesn't work. 
So the rhythm guitar tone has been lightened and the drumming dumbed down to simplistic levels, taking away the very strength at the core of Celtic Frost. A huge mistake. Uh, so Warrior himself uh, reflected afterwards uh, on this album, uh, saying that it was the absolute worst he could do in a lifetime, uh, bemoaning the fact that he gave up too much creative control, allowing the other band members too much leeway in their writing styles. Uh, that said, it's not as bad as I remembered, to be honest, with the lows not as bad as Into the Pandemonium, but the upper crust tracks nowhere near the cream of the last album. Call it a tie and another 6 out of 10. So highlights here would be Once They Were Eagles and Blood on Kisses.
Martinane thankfully returns to the fold, providing hope of a return to form for the band after the Light in the Loafers Cold Lake. Uh, when the band issued Vanity Nemesis two years later in 1990. So indeed, there, there's unmistakably a return toward their early sound here, but it's held back somewhat, uh, seemingly like the band didn't want to simply relive old glories. Uh, there's a welcome uh, return to the snarl of the rhythm guitar, uh, but it doesn't plummet to the stomach-churning sound of their first two records, the best description of the sound would be one step away from extreme metal, sitting in the trad doom side of the heavy metal equation instead. So opener of the heart beneath is the sole highlight of a somewhat inconsistent side one of the vinyl. But lo and behold, the second side is where the, this record shines, uh, initiating with the roiling The Restless Seas before giving way to uh, two of the heaviest tracks here, Phallic Tantrum and A Kiss or a Whisper. Uh, then there's the trudging vanity before uh, turning to the epic nemesis highlighted by some great lead guitar work early on uh, before going mid-tempo headbang, likely the best track on the album. So a cover of David Bowie's Heroes completes the album, easily being the worst track on the second side, but not a bad uh, song. So while Vanity Nemesis corrected the band's musical trajectory, uh, fans and critics nonetheless panned this at the time of its issuance. I, on the other hand, remember playing the hell out of the second side of this vinyl, considering this is not their best work, but more than good enough to restore the band's good name and legacy. I give this an 8. Yes. 
After the relatively muted response to Vanity Nemesis, the band disbanded, only to reunite some 16 years later for the issuance of Monotheist in 2006. So the main players are here, those being Warrior and Ain, of course, along with two new members. So I distinctly remember listening to this the first time and being blown away by the first two tracks, Progeny and Ground, which basically apply doom riffage with a guts-fuck raw guitar tone along with a ferocious warrior vocal, crushing headbanging perfection there. Problem, though, uh, being that much of the rest of material veered off the path uh, into esoteric territories that didn't appeal to me, uh, so much so I hardly ever reached for this album. Uh, giving this another spin in preparation for this discography review, I was reminded as to why I never play the thing. Too experimental, too avant-garde, too damn long at over 75 minutes for these years. Call it gothic funeral doom or whatever you want. And yes, there's no doubting the darkness that pervades here, but this is just too damn slow and uneven to entice uh, me to invest this much time to listen in its entirety. By the time you get to the concluding three-part, 19-minute triptych uh, concept suite, I find myself longing for the exit. There's just too much introspective, shoe-gazing, gothic goo to get through to get to the headbanging payoffs. That said, I did find a couple of other great tracks in Domain of Decay and Ein Olehim, Olehim? Uh, that I had forgotten about. Uh, this would have been a killer EP if they jettisoned the other tracks and just put these four together. Bottom line, too avant-garde for its own good. I give this a six. Uh, for, final word, though, should go to the general public and most reviewers who, again, embraced Monotheist as being some sort of victory for the band. Uh, what do I know, I guess?
we come to the end of the Celtic Frost discography story, the band disbanding for good in 2008 with Tom Warrior going on to form Triptychon, while bassist Martin Eric Ain passed away in 2017. So this van uh, continues to reach for morbid tales and to Megatherion on a regular basis, considering them quintessential records that should be in every Extreme Metal fan's record collections. So thanks for joining us. Remember to check every, uh, check in every Monday for our new release Monday podcast. Every Tuesday where we did uh, do our In 40 Minutes series where we put together the best 40 minutes of underrated bands or eras of bands. And then Thursday is when we do our top tens, our best ofs, that sort of stuff. And remember to check out our website, www.themightydecibel.com where you'll find that new yellow link to our Discog store where you can purchase some of our uh, CDs, vinyl, uh, cassette tapes, and DVDs. Have a great one.